0: I'm Dan Roberts. I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden and Andy Larson.
1: All right, welcome into the How About This Jazz Podcast. We are the Utah Jazz beat writers for the Solid Tribune. Andy Larson, right here, and Eric Walden joining me, talking about the jazz. How uh, how are you, Eric?
0: I'm doing well, Andy. How are you?
1: Good. I just got back from going to the SLC Stars game. They did a matinee one at noon at Vivint, and uh, they had a whole elementary school full of kids. Like one, uh, you know, I don't know if it was one elementary school, but like hundreds and hundreds of children who were the most excited to go to this game. And uh, they screamed in my ear for a good hour and a half. (laughs) And uh, what a time of my life it was.
0: Uh, So it's the uh, Salt Lake City Stars equivalent of the annual Salt Lake Bees elementary school game.
1: Correct. Except that's always a good time. Frankly, kids get way more excited about the Stars game than the Bees game. I've been to both. Like the Bees game is the loudest Bees game of the year. Don't get me wrong. But there is something about being inside screaming. Uh, that is a special level of of, of, of noise, but uh, yeah,
0: uh, I I can't personally think of any better way to spend my day than surrounded by uh, hundreds or thousands of screaming <laughs> children.
1: Honestly, it was great. I got to go to the Stars game. Uh, the kids all left in like middle of the third quarter. You know, I guess they have to go home or go back back to school or whatever. So, uh, talked to Will Hardy for most of the fourth, and and yeah, it was a good time. Nice. Okay. Um, But that's not what we're not. This is not a Stars podcast, although it's it's I guess tangentially related. Um, I want to talk about the Utah Jazz, and in particular, um, we've had some interesting games recently, where due to a conflation of injuries uh, and I guess illness, we're we're getting the chance to see some of these young guys uh, get more playing time than we have for most of the season. And remember, our our big overarching goal of the season is. Who are the three to five players that matter most that will matter on the next championship jazz team? Uh, championship contending jazz team. Let's put it that way because there hasn't been a championship jazz team yet. So it, it, we're kind of getting more of a look at guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Ochai Igbaje, even like Leandro Balmaro, more than we have all season long. And so kind of want to get into that. I also want to talk briefly about the John Collins rumors, um, and maybe a little bit on some of the other young guys in this rotation, I'm thinking especially Colin Sexton and Walker Kessler. Sound good?
0: That sounds like a great plan.
1: Woo! All right. Um, Let's start with the young guys first, though, and and in particular, I want to get, kind of, share with our audience a debate. Uh, Sarah Todd with Deseret News and I were having on our last road trip in Denver, which is, who would you rather have playing the point guard right now? Or really, who would you just rather have as a player asset right now? Is it Nikhil Alexander-Walker or Taylor Horton-Tucker? Um, and I, before I give away my take on that, um, Eric, what is your take on
0: that? I suspect I know what your take is and I suspect that I'm going to have the contrarian take. Ooh. Um, as of right now, I think I would go with Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So, am, am I correct in assuming that you're you are thinking the opposite?
1: I am thinking the opposite. Um, and I guess are you thinking that for for now or for the rest of their career? You know, like as an asset, if that makes sense, as as a player yeah. that you want to invest in.
0: Yeah. Like, um, I'll preface this by saying, like, I don't feel like strongly about this. Right. Like, this is this would not be my ride or die. This would not be my my hill to die on. But I think both now and long term. Um, in the moment, um, I don't know. Do you want me to go full on into my into my defense right yeah. now, or yeah, let's do it. Okay, so it's partly out of what we've seen out of Nikhil and partly what we've seen out of THT. Right. So obviously THT is younger. Um, you know, he has an incredibly unique build. He has all these tools. To his game, right? Like the incredible, the incredibly long wingspan, um, the ability to get downhill. Like you can see that, like he's got X, Y, and Z that should, in theory, like make him a useful player.
1: Thank you for and making yet- my case for me.
0: And yet, we're seeing Nikhil Alexander Walker continually get more minutes instead. So why is that? Um, I feel like with Tht. The defensive potential remains just that potential. Whereas with NAW, we've seen it like actually translate a bit. Now, do I think he's like, you know, the Jazz's resident defensive stopper, put him onto, you know, the opponent's best perimeter offensive player every single game and let him go to work? No, I don't think that. I do think he has more willingly kind of embraced that role. Um, I also feel like the things that the Jazz are asking talon to do within this offense um nikhil does better i feel like he's a better ball handler i feel like he's a better playmaker i feel like he's a better shooter um and i'm not saying that like Talen can't improve on those things obviously we've seen talon have the capacity to do some of that stuff he had a he had a 10 or 12 assist game not too uh long ago so like you know he has these skills but I just feel like every time we see Talon kind of show some of them, like he winds up regressing after that. It's always like two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back. And with Nikhil, like maybe this is what he is. Maybe he doesn't have the high end potential that Talon does, but I feel like he's become more consistent in um, utilizing those skills that he has. Uh, We saw him start. At point guard the other night in denver and yes he had six turnovers and you probably don't want him to be your starting point guard or your primary ball handler going forward but we've seen him kind of consistently make plays for teammates that we haven't seen Taylor make and so i think just i don't know like could Taylor get better yeah and and i get that he's only i think he just turned 22 i think he pretty recently had a birthday so still young but at the same time like four years in the league now and he's had some development and he's had some playing time and so at what point do you weigh the youth that he still has versus the experience that he's already gained in terms of like his ability to progress more going forward I guess
1: cool okay so I think you said something interesting in there which was you thought Talon had the higher potential and that, for me, is the biggest number one reason why he is the better asset for you moving forward. Not only is he got a longer, bigger build, uh, he's got broader shoulders. means that, like, hey, one day he actually might be more than, like, a try-hard defender. Like, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is pretty good at going around screens and whatnot and has a pretty good wingspan himself, but it's just not the same kind of uh, bulky size that Nikhil that Talon has excuse me I think that makes Talon more switchable which means that you can maybe play him in the playoffs and in important situations and that means that you know frankly in a way that you're probably not likely going to be able to do with Nikhil just because of his size unless he brings a lot more on the offensive end you mentioned the playmaking you thought Nikhil was a better playmaker I don't think the stats show that I think the stats show that actually Talon is better playmaker he's got more assists Per 36 minutes he's got fewer turnovers per 36 minutes i think talon's gotten a lot better at making that quick read out of uh the pick and roll and, and frankly i think that while yes you know there are ups and downs at his development as a as a playmaker he did just turn 22 compared to nikhil's 24. um and so as you know as you would expect that to be if they're in the same place right now as playmakers and and again i don't think that they are I'm taking Taylan's uh potential to grow in the next couple of years. I think that, that really does matter. Although, you know, I understand both are fourth year guys. I I I think age matters. We know that age matters when players are drafted. We know that age matters in terms of how they improve throughout their careers. Uh Talon's age it really matters. And then I think the athleticism, again, gives him just a higher ceiling. Like uh Nikhil is not going to be really a guy that you ever want foraying to the rim all the time, just because he doesn't have the ability to get on top of the basket like Talon does. And and so um, that means, you know, is, is less likely to draw free throws. And and again, Taylor draws way more free throws uh, than Nikhil does, uh, and, and is ultimately just kind of less likely to develop into, say, an NBA starter. Now, like, I agree. Like right now, I think they're kind of similarly helpful players. I, you know, I I think Nikhil is a little bit better offense or defensively. I think Nikhil's a better shooter. Um, He's not that good of a shooter. You know, he's not the 42% that he's shooting so far this season. Earlier in his career, he's more of like a 30 to 33% guy. I think, you know, maybe you can say his hard work has brought him up to like the 35 to 36% zone, but he's not really taking too many of them. Talon's had a bad shooting year for sure. needs to improve on it. Um, But ultimately, I think that there's just so much more upside in what Talon can do on both ends of the floor that I I like him as a longer term, higher upside pick over Nikhil, who I'm pretty sure is like a a nice role player to have, but is is never going to be more than like the the eighth man on a roster.
0: Yeah, I get all of that. And you may well be right about that. I guess my concern with um, Talon and especially like in comparing him to Nikhil and who knows maybe maybe we can like just attribute all of this to well Talon's 22 Nikhil's 24 Talon has time to change some of these things but uh what was what was your assessment of Nikhil when he got traded here that the, the big takeaway was he just takes absolutely horrible shots right like that was that was kind of his mo in new orleans didn't have a filter uh just the shooting percentages were trash because he just constantly took difficult shots he took poor shots ill-timed shots all of that we've seen him clean that up a little bit this year right like he's no longer like i'm not saying like he always does exactly the right thing now clearly that's not the case but we've seen him kind of grow in that capacity and we've seen really kind of fits and starts with, with Talon where I'm pretty sure Will Hardy is having con- constant conversations with him about you are at your best when you're getting downhill and attacking the rim and we could do with less of this step back three-pointer stuff. And yet, and, and sometimes you see it sink in, sometimes he has these extended stretches where that'll happen. And then, you know, the very next game, you're seeing his first five shots from the field all be step-back three-pointers that are clinking off the side of the rim. And the next thing you know, uh, his stint is cut short. So if he can cut that out, if he can master that, um, I think you're right. I think all of that other stuff has a chance to play out, Um, you know, and, and I get the tantalizing potential. I just wonder you know, I I don't want to write off a 22 year old, but at the same time, a guy who's in his fourth year in the league has certain habits. And so you want to see them start to break those habits. So when is he going to either just completely leave out the three point shooting or like just work incredibly hard on that to the point where like next year he comes back and that's like a more legitimate weapon for him, right? And when do we see him actually kind of embrace that long arm, thick frame defensive potential that everyone always kind of says, Ooh, well, that's, that's appealing about Taylor. It is appealing, but, um, it's only appealing in theory right now. Like when was the last time other than, um, him stripping the ball away from, I think it was Aaron Gordon, you know, midair, When was the last time we saw Taylor Horton Tucker, like, go out there and for, like, an extended stretch be like, wow, he made an impact out there defensively?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think two weeks ago. Like, uh, and that's part of the reason why he hasn't played as much. But I I also think that, you know, you're not giving him enough credit for making those kind of plays.
0: I disagree. Okay. (laughs) I think he's just not making (laughs) enough of those plays.
1: Like... I mean, on a, let's see, on a per 36-minute basis, he's getting 1.7 steals and 0.9 blocks a game. Uh, Nikhil is getting 1.7 steals and 0.7 blocks per, per 36. Like, that's, they're, they're, they're the same.
0: Okay, but it's not it's not solely about generating turnovers, though. The ability no, to navigate not. screens and to, and to stick with guys um, is something that I think Nikhil has been far more adept at than Talon has to this point.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think that's fair. I, I, I guess, uh, I, I think Talon is needs to improve defensively, no doubt about it. I think uh, the other thing I would say is, while Nikhil has been very good at navigating screens, uh, he's also fouling a lot too. He's fouling four point three uh, fouls per thirty six, which means that you know you are giving up free throws uh, where where Talin's not. So, like, I agree, Nikhil better defensively right now. Uh, you're you're making a bet, but I I just think that um, yeah I you know I'm, I'm taking Talon defensively in the long term.
0: All right, fair enough.
1: I will also say that there's like a seventy five percent chance that we look back in this conversation in five years and be like, oh wait, neither of those guys mattered. <laughs> neither
0: neither of them mattered. The correct answer was Leandro Bomaro all along.
1: I mean maybe. It's like, but it's I... like our
0: it's like our Scooby Doo moment. Who was the who was the Jazz end-of-bench guy who wound, you know, the 6'5 wing with playmaking abilities who wound up making the difference? And you pull the mask off. Why, it was Leo, it was Leo Bolmaro all this time.
1: Uh, I think it's not going to be Leo, even though he's fun. No. Because uh, doesn't even think about yeah. shooting. But
0: right it, it's it, it may well be over three among those three guys, right so. which
1: is which happens you know like go back and look at the 2012 Utah Jazz and look at the 10 through 12 guys on the roster and it's gonna be pretty ugly. In fact, I, I kind of want to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is probably bad podcasting, but I, I am curious. okay, so the first Ty Corbin year, uh, well, let's go second Ty Corbin year, so it's exactly 10 years ago. The guys at the end of the bench, the 10 through 12 guys in terms of minutes were Earl Watson, Damari Carroll, and Ennis Freedom, uh, with Jeremy Evans also there. Now, you know, Damari actually had, like, a good NBA career, and but was already 26. Um, Earl is all old. I guess he, the young guys in that list at the end of the bench were Alec Burks, Ennis, and Jeremy Evans, and Kevin Murphy, uh, none of whom, I guess, uh, you know, Alec Burks has had a nice career. Ennis had whatever Ennis' career was. Um, but, you know, nothing that you'd be like, oh, yeah, that that definitely was a part of the next good jazz team, you know? So anyway. Yeah, for sure. It is just hard to, to become one of those three to five guys. That's that's kind of what it comes down to. Speaking yeah. of that, let's move on to some of maybe higher up in the rotation. I, I like how we're starting with the bottom of the rotation, like a good podcast, ordering our, our topics well. Um, the 24-year-old Colin Sexton and the 21-year-old Walker Kessler. Um, I, I, I want to talk about these two kind of bench guys, again, just developing parts of their game. Uh, again, getting the chance to talk to Will Hardy today about Colin and Walker. You know, I, I think it's clear that in his mind, they're he both are really, really, really valuable players and yet both have significant enough weaknesses that he doesn't want to rely on them for 30, 35 minutes a night.
0: Yeah and um yeah let's start with let's start with colin sexton just because um as you <laughs> mentioned we started off with the bottom of the rotation guys so let's give the jazz fans let's let's wet their appetites a bit let's give them a taste of that prime rib that they thought they were getting when they when they made the trade for colin sexton um you know looking back looking back on his inclusion in the donovan mitchell deal i think a lot of jazz fans believed at the time and perhaps not unjustly so that you know beyond obviously the draft picks that like he was probably the major component of the return in terms of the players that Cleveland was sending back right like they yeah. were like oh he had that season where he scored 24 25 a game where he shot you know 38% from 3 like there were some people who were like starting to compare and contrast you know his third season numbers with what uh, Donovan had done at the time, and so it's fair to say that there was a, a bit of hype at the time, and I think that also led to a lot of confusion from jazz fans once the season started. About wait a minute, why is Colin Sexton coming off the bench? Why you know why is he not starting? Well, part of that was that you know they kept Mike Conley, and Mike Conley is a far superior point guard um, at the moment. You know, and and part of that is, as you mentioned, Colin has some holes to his game. Like, you know, Colin, to me, it it feels like the biggest weakness is just like kind of consistent recognition, for lack of a better term. Right. Like he's been a guy who growing up in Alabama and in his early years in Cleveland, like you put the ball in his hands and then he just like, you know, i'm gonna get downhill i'm gonna to try to get to the rim i'm gonna like do a bunch of dribbling and like take a step back three and he was pretty good at all of that and now that he's on a team where you know they have a mike conley to compare him to and you can see the vast difference that there is in terms of ability to set up teammates consistently to run an offense for you know involving people other than yourself like that's that's where Colin has so much room to grow right and and we kind of have seen him um do these same things uh, kind of kind of like my criticism of THT where like you know you know what the conversations are uh that are being had with him and sometimes he's great at, at pulling off what they want and sometimes he just kind of reverts back to what's been comfortable and so it's going to be a process with him in terms of, like, getting him to kind of develop that court vision, you know, having those conversations with Mike Conley about, hey, you know, look at this, Try maybe try this, having those conversations with Will Hardy, like, you know, both Will and Colin have, have kind of brought up that kind of infamous sideline incident in Los Angeles in that game against the Clippers where Will was giving him a pretty significant talking to, and they both have put it out there, you know, that basically the gist of it was it's not about you you know not only was right they put
1: that out there but that was literally what he said on camera right like that's right
0: well yeah so for for the non-lip reading adept out there you know like Uh it's not about it's not about you and this becomes the thing that like colin needs to consistently get better at you know because like we see the moments he again he had a 10 or 12 assist game and you're like all right yeah you know we've seen him like start to celebrate when he provides the assist that leads to you know a teammate's bucket awesome um now how do we get him to do these things on a more consistent basis like i don't want to take away his scoring ability he does have great scoring ability although again sometimes he's very inefficient with it but he he does need to become more of a you know one and a half, one point two five. a half 1.25 he's he, he leans far more to a two than to a one at this point
1: yeah yeah and and the problem is at six foot he can't be a two right like right um and, and so you he just definitely has to be a one and 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 then yeah he's he's not good enough at it um I, I you know i think he shows the willingness to make the right play you know is such a good kid is 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 so well intentioned um I, but i also you know think that there's a long way to go and it's you know I think he can make some strides um but it's it's gonna be a project right like and he didn't develop that in his time in in Cleveland and so it's again you're you're looking at a 24 year old and say okay how much basketball IQ can you learn in the next four years maybe that's a lot you know we'll we'll see um i you know I think there there have been improvements made already this is kind of one of those conversations that I think we have to get to eighteen months from now and say, okay, it, given how these last two years have gone with Colin, uh, is he going to develop into a smart scorer, or is he? Are we going to continue to see kind of some of the problems? And and so I, you know, I think we'll we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, like he's far better suited to the role that Jordan Clarkson had been playing the last few years, right? Like that's honestly kind of what he's doing out there you put him out there and when he's at his best is uh you know or or rather the majority of his best moments uh thus far have been when he's just going out there you know gunning not thinking about it too much not overthinking it like i that's not his ideal role because you know as we mentioned he's six feet tall and he doesn't have donovan mitchell level athleticism which is just kind of inherently limiting to what he can do out there so, given that, you know, he needs to do the thing that JC finally got around to this year, which is, like, being aware of, like, where your four teammates are on the court and kind of more consistently, like, looking for how you can involve them, right? And we've seen JC show some ability, at least, to do that. Like, do I think that JC is, like, a fundamentally different player this year than he was in years past? No, but he's had, you know, at least uh multiple moments of, of showing like, you know, willingness to recognize, you know, what the other guys are doing, how to get them involved, how to you know, see turn no I, I think it's even skill less skill set into that.
1: I think Jordan is not that, actually. I think what Jordan and he has to be clear, become a better playmaker this year. I don't want to take that away from him. But he's not yep. a he's not a point guard, right? Like, he's... Right. What, he, what Jordan has developed this season is knowing when to shoot and when to pass. It's not that he knows, hey, I want to get this guy touches because he's on fire. I want to get this guy touches cause, and, and where to get him in the offense because he's struggling. Uh, I know who to ask for to screen and where. Like, Jordan doesn't have any of that still, and that's why he's only getting four and a half assists a game, right? Like... Well, sure, yeah. What we're talking about is just Jordan's knows that some shots are bad now and some guys are open sometimes and he's passing to them, which is, which is, to be clear, a huge improvement and is super useful, but is still kind of not the point guard skills that we want to see Colin Sexton get.
0: Right, and so, yeah, I, I guess I phrased that poorly because I didn't mean to equate that the Jazz, you know, that the end goal is for Colin Sexton to do down the road, what JC is doing now, right? That's yeah, bad. You're, absol- <laughs> you're absolutely, you're absolutely right, where, it, you know, it used to be that JC got the ball, JC shot the ball. And now it's, you know, two thirds of the time, JC shoots the ball, <laughs> and the other third is like, Oh, well, let's see who else is out there. What other options there are? If, if that's all that they manage with Colin Sexton, that's going to be a disappointment, right? And so I'm just saying, that would be, like like that is an improvement with J.C. this season, that would be a, a small step of progress with Colin right now too because, like, far too often he's just going out there, running headfirst into the, you know, putting his head down, running into the lane, trying to get to the hoop, and getting blocked twice a game, you know. And I do think he's got the ability to learn. As you mentioned, like, everyone on this team raves about, what a good kid he is, about what a hard worker he is, you know, like, no one doubts his work ethic. It just needs to become a thing where, like, you know, the habits start getting better and and become, you know, where he starts losing some more of the bad habits and starts showing some of the good ones way more often.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And it's just, uh, and we'll, we'll see if that happens. I, you know, again, I think that's something that it's going to be a time will tell thing um is a good project but again we're trying to figure out a on a winning team where does Colin Sexton really contribute is that as a sixth man is that as, as a starter um or is that hey you know he's not at, even as efficient as Jordan Clarkson frankly so uh can you get him to be a a higher level of, effic- of efficiency too would be would be nice uh yeah. I shouldn't say that. Colin is pretty like Colin's effective field goal percentage is is actually higher than Jordan's. But again, uh, Jordan's passing the ball more this season, and so you're you're probably more okay with where he is. Um, and frankly, again, and and as sub note to sub note, uh, Jordan Clarkson is you know a, a again a sixth piece on a roster rather than a a centerpiece. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Walker Kessler, I, I think. Uh, ha, you know, clearly has uh, at least two really amazing NBA skills in terms of his rim protection. Uh, and I also think that he's a good rebounder. Like, 20, 12.4 rebounds per game is, is really great. Um, I think, frankly, the, the ability to catch and finish is probably, if not already an NBA skill, is very, very, very close to it. And then um, there are just, like, a couple of things that are preventing him from you know, going from 15 to 20 minutes a night to 25 to 30 minutes a night.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll just go ahead and jump on one of those because, like, this is a conversation that's been had and and that it was not a thing that I necessarily noticed on my own, but, like, once it was pointed out to me, I started paying more attention to it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I see that now. Um, his screening is is not great, right? And this is the thing that Will Hardy has said, like, is the thing that he wants walker to focus on the most you know i know that walker told you like hey i want to become more switchable and will's like yeah switchable walker is great uh screening walker is better because like that honestly is um something that's more easily learned for him more easily achieved by him uh especially in a shorter amount of time i think it really is kind of interesting like just looking at the nuances and the subtle art of of screening well and it is a thing right like this this, we've had this discussion before about uh that's one of the things that hurts jared vanderbilt as well right like just not a super awesome consistent screener uh you would think that with the sheer mass that he's got that walker would be a little bit better at it um He is a little bit slight, I guess. Um, He is kind of in a hurry to roll to the rim, it feels like sometimes. And so you're not seeing him consistently uh, putting his body in there in a way that helps teammates generate mismatches the way you would like. And so I, I think that that's one of those things that once he gets better at that, and you know will has told us like hey walker works on this every day it's it's a work in progress he knows it he's aware of it he's he's doing something about it it just isn't there yet once it starts to get there i think uh that will be one of those big catalysts in terms of like seeing him make that leap in in minutes per game played
1: yeah agreed and uh, you know i i think it's It is, I think to me, like pick and roll timing, right? Like you you said he rolls too fast. I also think sometimes he rolls too slow. Like it's just going to be being a consistent target for his big, uh, for his point guard down low um, when he is rolling. Uh, And, you know, again, that takes time to figure out too, right? Like we know that Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert took a season to develop chemistry. So like, it's not just a Walker Kessler thing. but I continue to think, like, essentially what he does defensively is so valuable that uh, even now I, I think he should probably get more minutes than he currently does. Um, and, you know, it's less, uh, you know, right now he's only getting 16.6 minutes a game. I'd like to see them try to bump that up throughout the season, and, you know, we'll see if there's a Kelly Olinick trade or whatever, um, or somebody gets hurt and he'll just start playing more. I got the chance to start. Um, it was not great in his two starts, I should point that out, in terms of, like, uh in terms of offense uh and so you can't say that like hey he really took advantage of that and you know wally pipped kelly olenek that's that's not what it was he had 10 points against the warriors and six points against the the wizard the sorry the the minnesota timberwolves um and was only fine in each of those games so um yeah i you know i just want to see more more consistently from walker um and give him kind of the opportunity when to put his toe in the deep end, see how he reacts and um, see, see you know, have him, even if he's struggling in those moments, have the chance to play in those moments sometimes.
0: Yeah, um, those criticisms aside, I will say he's been a very pleasant surprise to me, at least like, yeah, you know, from, from what I watched of his college game, I, I had doubts about you know how much of that defensive acumen would translate to the nba because i just figured oh everything here is you know so much faster guys are so much stronger um you know the skill level is just so much higher that like i had (laughs) legitimate questions about like is he going to be able to do these same things i wondered if you know about his his movement his ability to keep up and Uh, none of that has been an issue right like he he does have occasional foul trouble but I mean for being a 21 year old rookie um who's who who played two years of college ball uh you know he tells us all the time about his his film study habits and like you're seeing that translate right like a lot of times he just knows what the opponent is going to do and he beats them to the spot right and so Um, yeah, like he's absolutely been a pleasant surprise. I I didn't think that he would necessarily be a ready-made rotation guy. You know, I thought like they might throw him out there just to see what, you know, give him a chance. Um, he's earned the minutes that he's got to this point. And, and like you, I, I think there's probably room to carve out a few more for him, even if he doesn't take those, those other steps.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he would be, um, my question is whether or not he could move fast enough. Like I, I thought the the smarts would translate. I thought the shot blocking would translate. I just like, uh, could he move on kind of in the mid post well enough to get the the same blocks and and he can. So that's that's been awesome. Um, and, okay, and then uh, finally, let's let's talk John Collins. Unless there's something else you want to get to on the jazz side.
0: No, I think uh, closing this thing out with a good trade rumor is is always a good way to go.
1: Yeah, so, uh, John Collins, uh, you know, obviously fun player for the Atlanta Hawks, um, has kind of been shoved out of their, uh, I don't want to say of their rotation, right, like he's still starting every game, but out of their scheme a little bit, right, like, so he's down from 16 points a game to 12 this season, Uh, the usage numbers are way down, he's he's only taking up 16% of possessions the despite being over 20 for the last four years before that um and is really struggling i mean clearly atlanta has had him on the trade block for multiple months now and um then you know and i don't think he's responded super well to that and you know and and the hawks are moving on in in different ways uh through draft draft picks that they've drafted and and you know frankly just kind of their style of play Clearly, uh, you know it's someone that would be interesting as a you know 25 year old young player. Was actually born in Utah, believe it or not. Um, he was born in Layton, I, I believe, outside of Hill Air Force Base, because uh, his his dad was in the military somehow. Um, but regardless, I you know I think he's an interesting idea as like a uh, as a possible acquisition if the price is right. Now speaking of price. The big price, I think, is the the contract that he signed, uh, which is about a four-year, $100 million deal starting this year. So you're you're talking about a long-term investment if you do want to acquire John Collins.
0: Yeah. Uh, Here's why, to me, it doesn't make sense. All the things that John Collins is supposed to be um, or or is supposed to excel at, like, Lowry Markkinen is already that player and better at most of those things and on a cheaper contract besides so like i get the appeal of john collins like a seven foot big man who can who can shoot who can block some shots like he's only 6'9 like for what it's there worth. larry tall is he only six, nine? yeah okay well there you go that's that's another strike against john collins then. i was un- <laughs> i thought he was like a, a 6'11 or 7 no, foot guy but um
1: that, you know, I I'm, think that's kind of the question is like he's he's a tweener, right? Like he's yeah. in today's NBA, right? Like in previous NBA, there's no question he's a power forward. Great. Uh, the question is now, all right, can you play a, a a guy at the four nonstop who who you know doesn't shoot amazingly well? I mean, he hasn't shot well this season. He shot well in previous years, um, and, and you know is kind of an iffy perimeter defender. But as a center, you don't love that he's not protecting the rim that well. I mean, the thing is, it, it, he's like a 7 or 8 out of 10 at most NBA skills. Um, again, it's just kind of trying to figure out where you, you want to deploy him. I think to me, like, there is an outcome here where he's a really, really good player. And, like, he could really be part of, a, you know, like, the third best player on a championship team. I think John Collins could actually be that guy um it's just yeah trying to figure out what your system is going to be around him I think he'd actually be a really good fit in Will Hardy's system as you know kind of like the Lowry Markkinen the you know John Collins you could do some cool scrum plays with him um I don't think he's like a selfish guy uh you know he, the assist numbers are low but um you know I think you could get him to make the right pass if, if you got him in a good system I don't know like I, I think it's it's pretty intriguing to me that I might do the flyer if you, like, didn't have to trade anything for him. Which, frankly, at this point, he may be a neutral or negative salary.
0: Yeah, I guess it depends on the cost. Like, looking back at it, I said, you know, okay, why do you want this guy? Like, he's he's a lesser Lowry. Because um, if, having if you, two if Lowry you, market you, ends no, is good. Right. And so what, what I was going to add before you interrupted me, Andrew, is that – if you are turning him into you know a replacement for say vando slash kelly then all of a sudden it's it's maybe a different conversation right where if you're keeping lowry in the role that he's in and then all of a sudden you've got a john collins in addition to that like he's an upgraded version of of kelly olenic right like he's a far more expensive version of kelly olenic is the is the problem but um he provides you some of the same skills in terms of theoretical outside shooting he should in theory be a better rebounder and at least interior defender um you know i just feel like if john collins is the third best guy on your team like i don't i don't <laughs> love that with the money he's making you know yeah. and and like he's never he he's been a nice player throughout his career i just have never felt like he's ever really taken, like, that leap, you know? And now that the Hawks have added DeJounte Murray and you've seen his usage go down, um, you know, and, and, and you've seen him become, like, less a focal point in the scheme, like, he is really struggling to figure out what he should be doing there, you know? And so, I don't know. I, I have big questions about him and the fact that he's making, you know, the fact that he has that, that deal that he has, like, just would make me incredibly nervous to take him on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look at Hawks salaries and I think that's tough. I, you know, it almost, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you make it a three-way deal or something. Um, you could trade Mike Conley for him. I don't know why the Hawks do that with two point guards already on their roster and taking up so much salary. You could do, yeah, a Kelly Olinick plus Jared Vanderbilt kind of thing. And, and they'd be fine-ish. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of long-term money. Um, from what I understand, I don't know, you know, obviously the reporting from Sham Charania was that the Jazz have registered or, you know, made calls on it, um, but I, you know, I, I don't think that there's, this is imminent by any means, you know, I don't think that this is coming soon, I don't know that, you know, it should even be considered coming at the deadline or anything like that, it's just something that the Jazz are keeping their eyes on because they keep their eyes on everything and... Again, it could work out in kind of a three-team situation. Um, you know, yeah. I, I basically I don't think they're super excited about John Collins, but they're not necessarily uh, ruling that out either.
0: Well, just as one last quick little thing, let's let's uh, pretend for a moment. Let's play devil's advocate and say like Danny and Justin are super keen on John Collins, right? Um, in your mind, which front court do you prefer? Do you prefer the current one of? Kelly Olinick Jared Vanderbilt, Larry Markkinen, or do you prefer Walker Kessler, John Collins, Larry Markkinen?
1: The latter by like a million miles.
0: Yeah, same. <laughs> so like, I'm just I'm just saying like, there's at least if if Will can be talked into like if they've decided to you know kind of punt on like making the playoffs or whatever if they don't think that's viable if if you know they can have a conversation with Will about like. Hey, let's let's throw Walker Kessler in there, you know, and, and see what he can do more consistently. Then, yeah, maybe it's it's worth uh figuring out if, if John Collins should be, you know, a piece of that. Because, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think that potential lineup has like way more, you know, upside to it. Um but yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I I don't know what the interest level is right now and um We'd really have to see like what the deal amounted to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would consider maybe you can say, hey, do you guys want Malik? Um, do you guys Malik and Olynyk for for John Collins? I think about it. It's just a lot of long term salary, and that is that's a big thing. But right, I, yeah, no, I'm I'm well not certain. The Jazz that I wouldn't spend that salary. I, you know, they that's the other thing is they don't like necessarily have guys on the roster that like. Oh, you you gotta save that twenty five million dollars in twenty twenty five for so you can pay, you know, Walker Kessler or Ochai Baj, You know, there there just aren't those like obvious max guys on this roster, right? And, and so you could say, and anyone that you might get in the draft who's who's good is is going to be on their rookie deal through the end of that. So, I you know maybe that maybe that makes some sense. I I don't hate it.
0: Yeah, I don't hate it either. I just don't necessarily love it
1: i yeah
0: which which i think is 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 a kind of a good way to encapsulate the utah jazz as a whole right now so
1: hooray um no i mean on
0: that positive note
1: (laughs) we love what they're doing relative to expectations so yeah you got anything to pitch or to sell people on or are you just going to tell them about the subscriptions
0: i'm just going to tell them about the subscriptions i love for people to sign up for Salt Lake Tribune subscriptions. We had <laughs> an offer last week where we made the entire website free oh, yeah. the whole week, right? Like, you could you could read as many stories as you wanted. Nothing was behind the paywall. Uh, just to give people a taste of the journalism that we do, you know, they could read all of your triple teams. They could read all of the awesome news stories. They could read my coverage. Um, that's gone now. And so, um, you know, Hopefully, some people were like, hey, I got a chance to read maybe some more Tribune articles than I would have. Um, and, like, I liked what I read because we have an awesome staff beyond myself, beyond yourself. Like, we've got a whole staff full of quality reporters who do excellent work. And the best way to be able to read that all is to get a subscription to the Salt Lake Tribune. So if you're interested in that, seven ninety nine dollars a month, right? Or something yep. like that. Go to sltrib.com/slash-subscribe. If you feel like holding out a bit longer, we occasionally run subscription deals. Um, you can keep an eye out for that. But like, it's a great Christmas present, right? Like, if you know someone who's interested in getting to know what's going on in their community, who wants to follow the jazz more closely, uh, a Salt Lake Tribune gift subscription is a, is a great way to go.
1: Agreed. Completely agreed. All right, and on that note, I think we're out. So Andy Larson, Eric Walden, signing out. Of the How About This Shots podcast. Thanks again for listening.